Well, thank you, Corey. It's good to see you. I've seen this sanctuary empty for too long. It's, uh, it's good to see everybody here. I know this is different. I know it's uh, an unusual time with tape. It kind of reminds me of the Christmas Eve service. This is what we do then to kind of make sure the sides are marked off. Um, but I'm glad that you're here. We're going to do this for a few weeks and see how it goes. We wanted to make a, an oppor- have an opportunity for our seniors to come. Um, I'm hearing all kinds of things out there about who's going to come, who's not. There's a certain level of fear out there, and there's uh, opinions on every part of the spectrum about what's going on in the world right now. And, um, you know, I I just wanted tonight and tomorrow to bring a word of of comfort uh, about how God is working in our lives. Before I forget, uh, there are the open windows out there on the front desk. Uh, If you want to pick one up before you go, some people like to take those with them as they go. So please be aware of that. The the service itself is designed to be shorter. Uh, I got an email just before I came up here from a relative that goes to another church. And their pastor put out an email saying, uh, be careful how much you sing in church. Make sure you wear a mask. And there's all these kinds of warnings that are going out all over the place. And we're just, I, I tell people, look. We're Christians, we don't want to be afraid, but we do want to be wise, okay? We don't want to be scared, but we do want to use our heads and ask God to give us wisdom as we go through this season, for whatever reason He's allowing us to go through. So we don't panic, we trust, but we do pray, and we just seek God's face. So tonight I want to look at a text of Scripture that kind of is a part two to last week's. Now, now let me explain how this operates. For the last several weeks I've been doing these little videos on Facebook, and I'm going to tell you, it's a whole lot harder, and Jeremy can attest, he's been doing these things. We, we do take after take after take because we don't know how to edit <laughs> these things. It's a whole lot easier to be behind a pulpit than it is in front of a camera try, trying to do this stuff. I feel a whole lot more comfortable back here. Uh, but what you see there is a little Cliff's Note version of, of the sermon. So if you want to take the notes home and go home and see that, uh, that's what it's there for, Okay. Several years ago, I heard a sermon by Dr. Erwin Lutzer. He was the pastor of Moody Church in Chicago, Illinois. He said he had gone to a conference of 17,000 evangelical Christians. And they did a survey of the 17,000 Christians that were there. And they asked those Christians, and ask yourself as I ask this question, how many minutes a day do you pray? That was the survey question that they asked 17,000 Christians. And you know what the answer was? The average Christian at that conference prayed five minutes a day. Is that about right for you? But they took it a step farther and they said, okay, pastors, how often do you pray per day? Pastors did a whole lot better. They were seven minutes a day. So Christians, non-pastors were five minutes a day. Pastors were seven minutes a day. And I, when I heard that, I just kind of was stunned. Did not Jesus say in the Garden of Gethsemane to his disciples, could you not tear with me one hour? Now, that doesn't mean we're supposed to pray every day an hour. It was just a time frame that the Lord gave to their disciples in a very, very difficult, troubling time. But I think we'd all have to admit, prayer is one of those things that we struggle with. We wish we would do more of it. But uh, as I've said for years, the reason we don't pray is, let's be honest, we wonder if it really works. You ever thought, you know, I want to pray more, but does it really help? My situations don't change. So... As we look at this text tonight, Jesus is dealing with two particular issues. Uh, The Pharisees' view of prayer and his view of prayer. 
So on the back of your bulletin is an outline. You can follow along if you'd like as we uh, go through this text. Jeremy read it earlier, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Uh, it says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on battling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Prayer is used by every religion on the face of the earth, and it's uh, an attempt by man to connect with their God. So when Jesus gives us specific instructions here, we must really, really pay attention because what he's telling us is this is what you need to know about prayer. That's the question we want to answer. What does Jesus want us to know about prayer? And to take a step farther, let's apply what he tells us, what he teaches us. Okay? So the first thing we see in this text is confusion about God. The first point in your outline is confusion about God, particularly when it comes to prayer. Okay, We see that in verse 5. Look at how these hypocrites are praying, these Pharisees and teachers of the law. Look how they're praying. When you're praying, they love to be standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. That was their prayer life. They stood up to be seen. They did it in public, on the streets, and they did it in private in the synagogues. So they view prayer as a way to show people how spiritual they are. Now, now let's look at a little uh, theology here, a little practical religion. The Pharisees had times of prayer each day. 6 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock. Four times every day the Pharisees would pray. And it didn't matter where you were. You, if you were in the synagogue, you know, it's kind of like a Muslim today. You see them kneeling at certain times. Pharisees would, four times a day, have that opportunity to pray. But what these guys would do is they'd get there a little early where there was a crowd, and then they would want to stand out to be seen for their spirituality, for their prayer life. They used a spiritual thing to promote themselves. And let me tell you, that's what a lot of us do if we're not careful. The sinful nature in all of us is always there, and even when we go into the, the prayer room. And we're always wanting to elevate ourselves, even at the expense of Jesus, even at the expense of others. So they're confused because they're using something God said prayer for their own benefit. Look at the quote by David Jeremiah there. He says it better than I can. Standing does not merely describe the upright position of a person's body. It also suggests striking a pose to gain attention. The Pharisees were committed to praying at said hours 6, 9, 12, and 3. They arranged to be in the most public places at those times so they would be recognized for their commitment to God. What they're doing is they're wanting people to think they're super, super spiritual. Watch this now. Here's the principle. They stood up to be seen. Okay? They weren't praying to God, but what they were doing is they were praying for people to see. And that's important. They were confused about their relationship with God and it's revealed in their prayer life. Uh, many years ago I saw a uh, quote from Jerry Seinfeld. Remember the TV show Seinfeld? Back then email was just coming out. And here's what Jerry Seinfeld said about email. Here's how he defined email. He said, email is talking to somebody without talking to somebody. And I like that. You're talking to somebody, but you're, are you really talking to them? You're just giving them what you want them to hear, but you're not listening to what they're saying back until they send you another email. 
you're talking to somebody without talking to somebody. And I think that's the way many of us need to realize we've fallen into that trap when it comes to prayer. We're talking to God, but are we really talking to God? And that's what these Pharisees were doing. Now, you can feel really, really guilty about prayer if you're not careful. I remember many years ago, right when I started out on the ministry, I had a representative from the Georgia Baptist Convention. He sat down with me and he said, you know, Jeff, and this, this gentleman was probably close to retirement. He said, all my life I have struggled with my prayer life. Can you give me some good book recommendations on how I can learn how to pray? And I think everybody, if we're honest, if you look in the mirror, you've probably had that same desire. We all want to pray more, don't we? So we, we see Jesus saying here, look, prayer is not about you. To promote yourself, to get your list checked off, to get your agenda. It's a whole lot more than that. So, for example, we're going through this difficult time in our world right now. With the, We all have desires. God, you need to do this. God, you need to do this. This person, these, these people, this nation, they need, to, they need you to touch them, Lord. And it, it gets to be a, a list where we go to God, and if God doesn't give us what we want, what do we do? We stop praying. We pray five minutes a day, seven minutes a day. And we're missing out on what prayer truly is. We're confused about it. Okay? So we go to the second point. If that's not prayer, what is it? Here's number two. Prayer is simply this, a conversation with God. So don't be confused about this. It's not to get your stuff. It's not to be self-promoted. God's not in the business of promoting you. It's a conversation with God. And notice the way our Lord describes this. This is so beautiful. Just take your time. Remember, I tell you all the time, when you're reading the Bible, it's not how much you read. It's how much gets into your heart when you read it. You know, you're, you're hearing I like to describe it like this. You're seeing the words and hearing God. That's what we do in Scripture. So it says, when you pray, so we're automatically given some instruction here, go into your room. Now the word go there is literally the word enter. And it's an imperative. It's a command. This isn't an option. Jesus is saying, when it comes time for you to pray, don't go out there in front of the people on the streets and don't stand up in the synagogue. He's not saying don't pray publicly. He's just saying when you pray publicly, don't draw attention to yourself. He says, but here's, here's the, the, the essence of prayer. Go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father. The word pray there is prosuke. It's, it's an interesting word. It means to, to face God, to speak with God. So that's your purpose. You're going into a room, shutting the door, to face God, to speak with God. That's what Jesus is telling us to do with prayer. Again, you'll see this little quote by E.T. Robertson, the world-famous Greek scholar. He says, So it is a storehouse, a separate apartment, one private's chamber, closet, or den, where we can withdraw from the world and shut the world out and commune with God. So this is an appointment that we make. If you have a day timer, you have all these appointments that you've got to keep. Uh, what Jesus is saying here is, look, you need to have an appointment in your schedule where you can do two things. And both of these are imperatives. You get in, you go into the room. That's the first imperative, first command. The second one is pray. Second command, you go to the Father to speak to the Father. So that's what we want to do. That's the essence of prayer. Now I want you to see something. Notice the contrast. Where were these Pharisees praying? Before men. Where is Jesus telling these people to pray? Us. Alone. You'll find out how serious you are about your relationship with the Lord when you make a determination to get alone with God. Okay? So he's saying, if you really, really want to be good at this, if you really, really want to be spiritual, don't worry about what you do before men. 
do it before the Lord. I remember many years ago I was preaching at a church. I won't say the, the name of the church or the city, but somebody in the church was asked to pray. And uh, it was kind of a weird situation because most of the folks were in the back, but this one gentleman sat up front and I thought, well, maybe that's just the normal way they do it. He prayed, and I'm going to tell you what, to this day, it is one of the most beautiful King James Version of the Bible prayers I've ever heard in my life. It was spectacular. Oh, thouest God, we beseech thee, O Lord. And he went on. He used King James verbiage, King James language. And he went on, and he went on, and he went on. And I'm thinking to myself, it's beautiful. But the only thing, and forgive me, I'm not trying to be cynical. The only thing I could think of during that time was, is this the way he talks to his wife? I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude or, you know, but I just thought to myself, who is he praying for? Us to show us how he knows the King James language, or is he going to the Father? Now, I recognize public prayer is different from private prayer, but you've got to be humble at both. We're still talking to the same God, amen? So, what we're talking about here is a private time with the Lord. Now, watch. What do we say prayer was? Prayer is facing God to speak with God. You're having a conversation with the Lord. Uh, there was an article in the Daily Mail, a London newspaper, about a mosque in Turkey. And here's what they found out. You know how Muslims will sit and they'll, nail to, they'll kneel toward Mecca. And they went back and they did some research and they found out this mosque was built facing in the wrong direction. So for 37 years, people thought they were praying toward Mecca, and they were praying in the wrong direction. And you know, I, I thought about that. I said, you know what? That's what we do. We pray, but we pray in the wrong direction. The old Puritans used to have a saying, and it went like this. When you pray, you pray until you pray. Which means the first part of your prayer is usually the wall that you got to break through to, to get through. Another, another translation, the New American Standard Version, called the room that you pray in the inner room. And it's a picture of the tabernacle, the temple. You have your outer court, you have your holy place, and you have your most holy place, your holy of holies, your inner room. And that's where the priest once a year would meet with God. So the picture is when you pray, you're not just out in the outer tabernacle with, or out in the outer court with people. You're not just in the holy place. You're in the holy of holies, in the almighty presence of God, in the presence of almighty God. So when we pray, we've got to remember who we're talking to. It's not just another person. It is the privilege and the honor to pray to the creator of the universe, the sustainer of all of us, and the redeemer of mankind through his son, Jesus Christ. That's who we're talking to. There needs to be some reverence there, some holiness there. What an honor. People tell me they're bored with prayer. I say, remember who you're talking to. Remember who you're setting your face toward to speak to. And the only way we can enter into that Holy of Holies is through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. But what an invitation. You're bored? Put away the distractions of the world and enter into the Holy of Holies. Which as we look at this text, it basically speaks about that. Our Lord says when you get in there, close the door. That's to put away distractions. And let me just ask you a question. Have you ever tried to go to pray? Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go ahead and put aside 10, 15 minutes, okay? And everything you got to do that day pops into your head. Everything you got to do tomorrow. All your projects. It's not just getting in that room to get rid of the external distractions. I have learned that when you start praying, you got to get rid of the distractions of the mind. And that's why Jesus tells us in the Lord's Prayer, 
When you start praying, what do you say? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first thing you do is start praising him in prayer. And that gets you off of yourself and off of your agenda, off of your stuff. God, man, you're the creator of the universe and I just praise you. Lord, you're the sustainer of all things and I just praise you. Blessed be your name. And that starts the journey into this time where you get to speak with the Lord. So it's a conversation. It's an opportunity for us to speak and talk with the Lord. So I love this quote by Leonard Ravenhill. No man, and this implies no man or woman, is greater than their prayer life. The greatest thing we can do is to pray. That's the number one temperature reading on our spiritual thermostat, if you will. We have this privilege and this honor to have a conversation with God. Don't take that lightly. Okay? Point number three. So, when we're speaking with God, what's our attitude supposed to be? And this is where we really get in need of some instruction. Point number three is confidence in God. Confidence. Okay? Let's look look at verses seven and eight. When you pray... And again, this isn't if you pray. For the Christian, it's when you pray. You're supposed to set aside times for prayer. Here's the negative, the wrong way. Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. The word babbling there is to go over and over and over again. It means a couple of things. Meaningless words or repetitive words. You know, you say the same thing over and over again like a chant. Some religions will use different ways of chanting the same thing over and over again. Catholicism does that. Other religions do that. Their prayers are nothing more than things you read or or things that are brought to your attention to take to the Lord. But it's not coming from your heart. It's just stuff that you've got other people to tell you about. So we don't babble like pagans. The other meaning here is is this. For those that were non-Christians, for those that were non-Jews, they had a pantheon of gods. So they would just say a bunch of different things to a bunch of different gods, hoping one of those darts would stick. And they were just hoping that something they said would click and they'd win the spiritual lottery. Okay? And that's the way many of us are when we go into pray. I just got to say this right. I must not have gotten this prayer answered because I didn't say it right. And I just, I'm not doing this right. And we get frustrated. And after all, I haven't had my prayers answered in 10 years, so why keep doing it? Well, you haven't got your prayers answered because you're throwing a dart. Okay? You're hoping. But, but confidence in God is described in the next part of this verse. Look what he says in verse 8. Do not be like those folks. Do not be like them. Watch this. For your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. Now, here is the key to effective prayer. And it's your attitude toward God. Your view about God. Notice what he says. Your Father... Aren't you glad God's, if you're a Christian, He's our Heavenly Father? We can approach Him as our Father, not some distant God out there somewhere that's impersonal. But we have confidence uh, to pray to this Father. Now watch this. Who knows what we need before we even ask? What are you worried about tonight? God knows about that before we even ask Him about it. We have confidence in our God when we pray to God. We don't necessarily know what the answer is going to be. That's not the point. The point is, the one we're facing to talk to knows what we need before we ask. We just don't know what we need before we ask. We don't know what the answer is going to be. But thank the Lord He does. 
So when we come into prayer, instead of being anxious and nervous and going, God, this is a messy situation. God, I don't understand what's going to happen to, to my spouse, to my child, to my job, to, to the, the world, what's going through right now. But you know. You know. And this attitude is what shapes our prayer life. I have found out through my life, God will give us a problem so that we'll pray. We don't like the problems. We like a problem-free life. But that's heaven, folks. That's not here on earth. God will give us a problem so we'll learn how to pray. Notice the second part of that. He knows what you need before you what? Ask Him. God's not afraid of your questions. Ask Him. That's what prayer is. It's a conversation. Lesser to the greater. But when you go, remember who you're talking to. You're not talking to a multitude of gods that you threw a dart to. You're talking to the creator of the universe. You're talking to the sustainer of the universe. You're talking to uh, the God that saved you. He knows everything. And we go to him, we're panicked and we're nervous. And I do it too. I'm not trying to speak down to anybody. It's something, a trap that we all fall into. But you have to remind yourself, God, I don't have a clue. But thank you that you do. I'm thankful that you do. And when you have that attitude, guess what? When you go into your prayer time, it'll give you confidence. The more confidence you have in God, the more confident you'll be to pray. Remember who you're talking to. It's not a formula. It's not a chant. It's not something where you just hope for the best. Here's the point. When you pray, you are saying, God, I give you this problem. But... I leave the answer up to you because you're good and you know what I need better than I do. Most of us, if we're honest, when we go to pray, we say, God, here's what I want. Now give it to me or else. As if we're as all-knowing as he is. But what we've got to remember is we're going to the one that's all-knowing and we're not. So, Father, here's the request I ask. Since you're my father, I know you care for me. I pray for your best answer. And, man, I have found out when I begin to pray like that, who knows how the Lord will answer but it's good. Even when it seems bad initially, it's good. Because he's good. And his answers are always good. I love this quote by uh, uh, D.L. Moody. He said, Spread out your petition before God, and then say, Thy will, not mine, be done. He said, The sweetest lesson I've ever learned in God's school of prayer is to let the Lord choose for me. When you have confidence in God, God, I, I just let you choose for me. I'm not, we're not praying. We're praying. We're not, not praying. We're asking. We're just asking for the Lord's will to be done. It takes time sometimes. It doesn't make sense sometimes. But I'll let him choose. I'll close with this. There was a lady by the name of Laura McPherson. And she said many years ago that more than half of India's 780 languages may die out soon. These cultures are, are passing away, so their dialect, their language is passing away. And they're not going to speak that language anymore. I wonder if that's not happening to some Christians where they let the language of prayer just die away. And the reason they've stopped praying is because they don't have confidence in God. David was, excuse me, Daniel was told to stop praying or he was going to go into the lion's den. Remember that? And I love this quote. Daniel would rather spend a night with the lions than miss a day in prayer. Daniel would rather spend a night with the lions than miss a day in prayer. As we're going through these troubling times, don't let it steal your prayer life. As we're going through these obstacles of life, 
Daniel, you got to go these lines unless you stop praying. Don't allow the circumstances of life to keep you from facing God, to speak to God, to have confidence in God, to receive God's answers. He's good and worthy of praise. At this time, we're going to have a word of prayer. I've said we're not going to do an invitation during this period of time, but if you have any spiritual needs whatsoever, you can contact myself or Pastor Jeremy. I know this is a shorter service, but this is what we're going to do for a little while. And uh, I'm glad that you got to come. Let's pray together, and then we're going to close with a song, okay? Gracious Father, thank you for your love and mercy. What a privilege, O oh God, it is to come and talk with you. Forgive me, O oh God, forgive us, O oh Lord, when we try every other alternative rather than to come to you and pray. Father, we often corner you and say, if you don't give me the answer I want, I'm going to quit praying. But Father, forgive us for such a mentality. Father, we choose the attitude of confidence. We choose the attitude of knowing that even when we don't know, you do. Everybody in this room has a desire in their heart, Lord. Everybody in this room has a desire, perhaps it's been there for a long time. Father, we just humble ourselves before you. And we ask that you would come into these various situations. And we thank you for doing so. We thank you for your sweet, beautiful answer. And for that, we give you praise. I pray you'll bless everybody tonight, tomorrow, as we go through this worship service. We're careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.